Hey everybody, um, my name is Kel. My name's Anna. And we are here with Taiko. Yes. Hey, About the black birthing experience. Yes, girl. You look good. Look at her in this yellow. It's bad. <laughs> you are glowing. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult. When people say stuff like that, I'm like, am I glowing or am I just sweating? Because I've been chasing these kids all over the house. Girl. <laughs> I don't know. Not I don't know. Good. You sweat good. good on you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tego, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about, you know, where you're from, your name, your age. <laughs> so, it's so funny how you say where you're from. My name is Tego, and I have people who ask me all the time, they're like, so where are you from? And I'm like, well, I'm from, I grew up in the Boston, Massachusetts area. They're like, no, no, no. Where are you where from? from? <laughs> <laughs> so to answer both questions, I grew up a little bit north of Boston, but my family's from Ghana. We are, you know, as we would say, you know, American bread, Ghana buttered. So that's us. Our family's from Ghana. My dad is a Krogo. My mom is an Ashanti, for those people who are familiar. So I'm very much, you know, West African sensation. That's me. Um, I am 33 years old, 33 and proud. This is my Jesus year. Um, and it's yeah, funny that we talk, yes, it's funny we talk about the birthing experience because I very much almost didn't make it to my Jesus year. So that's why people ask me. I'm proud to say I'm 33. I work at the National Society of Black Engineers. Um, I've been working there for about 10 years. Before then, I've always been in the nonprofit. So I think I've always been in a space of working with mission-driven organizations, just kind of seeing the needs in, or in different areas and for people and helping them out. Um, and I think that really comes from the way I grew up. My dad was an engineer who became a pastor. So I'm also a pastor's kid. So, you know, there's a lot of levels going on. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yes, yes. So, girl, you know, birthing is so different from mother to mother. And not even just mother to mother, but like from child to child. Yes. So what is something you wish you knew going into the birthing experience? Oh, gosh, I don't even, that's the question. What do I wish that I knew? I wish I knew that my, my desires for myself were probably not going to happen. Like, my birthing experience was going to be like my dating experience, you know? Like, it was going to be like everything else. I went into birthing knowing exactly what I wanted for myself. You know, I'm, you know, one of those women who, I study everything. You know, Raquel, you're familiar with me. I cook. Because I, I want to know everything that goes in my body. I want to be in control yes. of everything that goes in my body. So I knew that when I had a child, I wanted to have control of every single piece that would happen to me. And when I had my first child, all that went out the window, like completely out the window. Yeah. Yes, girl. It's never how you expect. No, <laughs> no. My body set me up. <laughs> <laughs> I always hear that, like, you really can't plan, like, it's really like, you know, the baby's going to come on his or her own terms. Like you can say, oh, I want to do this. Oh, I want to do a water birth experience or I want to do, you know, <laughs> all of that. And then next thing you know, you're in the hospital because, you know, whatever is going on. So, um, but of course, we also want to know maybe what piece of joy did you experience, even though there were some things that you like wasn't expecting? Mm -hmm. Like, was there anything, one, that you were able to plan? And what is a piece of joy that you would say that you experienced during your pregnancy 
So I'll tell you, Anastasia, I think that's something that's very difficult for me to answer. Because unlike most moms, I would say there, you know, for my first birthing experience, I would say there was none because I had a preemie. And so when she was born, I was not supposed to be having a baby at that time. You know, I just, I went to the hospital on a feeling, literally just an instinct that something feels weird. And I was not even six months pregnant at the time. And they were like, this baby is dying. And so are you. So all joy went out the window because when I found out about her, it was my first pregnancy. I was so far along that I had no, I had no idea I was pregnant. So I found out close to 12 weeks and I had her, I mean, I found, yeah, found out at three months and I had her at six months. So I had wow. in my mind known I was pregnant for three months and then I had a baby. So wow. yes. So it was, it was, it was, a, it, was, it was a while for me before I found joy even looking back on the experience now, you know, if I talked to Tego back then, I think the only real piece of joy I could find then was not from my child, but it had to be from my husband, from having someone to walk with, because it was a nightmare situation, you know, and realizing that at least if that had to happen, God had put me in a place where I was around. I had coworkers who were able to come to the hospital with me and kind of like, you know, cry me through it and walk me through it. Because if it was, if I was left to my own devices, you know, I, I would have quit the game. I would have been done. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's real. That's a real story to tell. And that is, you know, having a partner to walk you through that. Wow. Like, um, that is something that not everyone has the luxury of having. Like, how was his experience? Like, how did he feel going through that experience with you? Yeah, and I do want to know why. Um, I don't know if you can share it, okay. but why uh, you wasn't supposed to? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's not. It's not proprietary information. <laughs> so you know, I'll, let's let me start with the why. So um, I'll, I'll let me start with the why, and kind of like you guys asked about what I didn't expect. So you know, I went into. I found out I was pregnant. I had known for years before what I wanted because I'm a documentary person. So I'd watched a documentary called The Business of Being Born with uh, Ricky Lake. And it was talking about how, you know, they're taking women's bodies and they're snatching them with C-sections. And I was like, no, like where I come from, I'm going to go by the water and I'm going to squat and I'm going to have this baby. And it's going to be amazing because I'm a strong Ghanaian woman and we don't need these interventions. Yes. <laughs> that, was what, that was what I had told myself. And so one day I literally woke up and I read an article um, by um, on what what to expect when you're expecting they sent an email and it was like um, here are some things to look out for when you're pregnant one of them is called preeclampsia and these are the signs I was literally just in bed reading it before work I read it and I was like huh that's kind of weird not sure if it resonates with me went to work but it kept bothering me so then that day I called the doctor's office and I said I think I want to come in and they said no you're fine you know, you just, you were just here three weeks ago. And I'm like, okay, you're right. I was just here three weeks ago. The next day it was like, it woke me up at 4 a.m. Like go to the doctor. And to this day, I say that that was the Holy Spirit. I called and they said again, you don't need to come. And I said, no, I just have a feeling I have to come. And when I got there, I went to my doctor's office and I went to an office that had midwives because I was like, I'm going to have this natural birth by the water side. So I'm with the midwife. And I should have known because they took my blood pressure like eight times on each arm. They kept taking and taking it. And then they asked me to go across the street for laps. 
And when I went for the labs, I was admitted to the hospital immediately. I had no idea I was going to be admitted. Um, and I had severe preeclampsia. I was at 25 weeks pregnant at the time. So, you know, my husband's journey began at that point because that same day I went to the hospital, he was going to visit his grandmother in North Carolina with his dad. So he was heading on I-95 down from Virginia to North Carolina. And I called and I said, something is wrong. Something has gone terribly wrong. And, you know, you need to come wow. home. You need to come back. So that's where his experience started. Because for me, I was in it. But unfortunately for him, he was the recipient of the news and he was suddenly the the bearer of the news to my parents to my siblings my line sisters he had the job of calling people to be like something is wrong with Taco, and it's severe so did you have those was i know you were saying that you didn't have joy with the first one but you have three did you have any joy with the other two pregnancies oh my gosh the other two pregnancies i think I will say my third pregnancy was my joyful pregnancy. It's sad to say that it took the third to get there, but you know, that's really where I, I got my joy because the thing with my second, so Nyla's the first, Nyla was born in 2016, Malachi was born in 2018. When I had Malachi, you know, I call Nyla and Malachi my miracle children. You know, Nyla was a miracle because she lived and I lived through that, but Malachi was a miracle because they told me it would happen again. So my pregnancy with Malachi, I was terrified that it would happen again. In fact, during the delivery, I was so relieved. I cried throughout the whole delivery. Like I sobbed, I boo-hoo-hooed. And I kept asking, is he okay? Like, he's really here? And they're like, yeah, he's, I'm like, is he going to the NICU? They're like, no. And I just cried. So Talia, the third pregnancy, which was like, they were at that point, they were like, you're high risk, but we're not going to treat you like you're high risk because you know, you didn't have a premium again. That girl was like smooth sailing. I mean, as smooth sailing as pregnancy can be. So my third pregnancy, I would say, was like joy to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's good, okay. So um, you kind of explained, you know, um, when, how did you know when it was time to deliver? Your body kind of just like told you when to go, like it's time. Oh, no, because I had C-sections with all three of them. So my body was not really like, <laughs> yeah, I had to see all three of my children were C-sections. And I had dreamed, like I told you, I wanted that natural vaginal birth. I did not want to be like those women in that documentary. Nyla was an emergency C-section. Malachi was the only one I went into labor with. And, you know, and the way I knew it was because I was, I, it's really crazy because I have really bad cramps. So I didn't realize I was in labor. I just was like, oh, I'm having like cramps. No, I was having contractions <laughs> and then my water broke. But unfortunately, you know, I labored with him for almost a full 24 hours and, you know, he still didn't come. So that ended in a C-section. So wow. when Talia came, it was, you know, Malachi was my only choice, my only time that I could have attempted having a vaginal delivery. So with Talia, they were like, we're not going to try that again. Let's schedule your C-section. So she was, I had three, but she was the only one that was scheduled. And I think that's part of the reason why she was my joy, because it was like, hey, guys, I'm having a baby tomorrow. I packed my bag and thank you for the cupcakes. I'll, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so when you went through the whole process of that, I wanted to know, um, you know, now we're going to get a little personal. Yeah. Um, did you, uh, well, I guess you didn't tear because you did the um, 
C-section. Mm-hmm. Um, were there any complications? You know, a lot of people hear about C-sections and stuff, and they're like, yeah, it's easy. Let's, you know, they just go in, cut you open, they take out the baby. I'll do a C-section any day over a birth. Over the natural birth. Yes, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Yeah. <laughs> the tea on c-section yes yes the c-section thing it is i mean to me my biggest regret was not being able to have the vaginal delivery i mean the c-section is and i knew i didn't want c-sections because my mom had three c-sections so she encountered which was so i so strange to her you know, especially because, you know, Ghanaians are very spiritual and superstitious at the same time. Sometimes we can't tell the difference between the spiritual and the superstitious. So, <laughs> so for her to have two girls and a boy and have three C-sections and me to have two girls and a boy and have three C-sections, she's like, uh-uh, what is, what is this? What's happening here? I'm like, you know. <laughs> love when you pull off the accent. I love it. <laughs> yeah. You know, so for the c-section is not easy and i knew from what my mom told me i did not want a c-section um and so you know my recovery you know when you have a c-section you're having major abdominal surgery and so i didn't realize how brandon was the one who told me how major it was and anastasia you asked about brandon's experience when we were delivering nyla you know when you have a c-section they put up this cloth like you're laying there they put a cloth um, in front of you so that and your partner sits next to you so they can't see it and you're awake during it because you know you know they they couldn't put me out all the way because of the way nyla was she wasn't well and if they gave me full anesthesia it would make her sleepy and the delivery would be really risky with the c-section they put the cloth there you're not supposed to see it brandon is six three so you know i don't think they accounted for that so he went to adjust his seat and accidentally saw over the cloth and he said he saw balls, he saw bowls of organs just all over the place. And he sat down, and he was like, that's so weird that they just have organs ready for you. He's like, maybe it's just in case she has an organ failure and they're gonna switch them out or something. And as he's talking to me, suddenly he realizes he's like, no, those are Tako's organs. Like they taken out her organs. And I'm talking to her and her organs are out. That is a C-section, y'all. That's scary. That is- like he, he was literally like, so what if the lights go out? Like, <laughs> we just got her stuff out here. Yeah, that is, that's why I say the C-section, the people who think a C-section is, it is major. My, so your, your organs are out. And then after the baby, they, they take them all out, take the baby out, and then put them back in. And you're just like hoping they all kind of shift to where they need to go. And they sew them back up. And, you know, it's six months before you can do a sit-up. You are not. That's crazy. I've heard that, you know, the C-section, like, recovery time is much more, you know, strenuous, you know, delivery. But I didn't really realize that they were actually moving your organs to take this baby out. Like, I don't know why I didn't process it that way. Yes. They're taking everything. I have a new respect. Okay, liver, kidney spleen like they're taking anything that's in the way of the baby because they have to cut it out and you know the baby is behind all that all your uterus is behind all of that so they have to remove it so your initial healing time is six weeks you know for your original scars you know that's when they say that you're like you're healed but you're not really you're not back to yourself so i have my line sister she she's my best friend before we even cross she has three kids as well 
had all her vaginally and our kids are all the same age. So there were times we were pregnant together and she would be back up on her feet a week, two weeks later. And I'm like, you know, two months down the line and I'm, I still have the stool next to my bed because I can't sit up on my own. You know, you know, when you have a C-section, breastfeeding, everything else is like a whole challenge. You are not allowed to take stairs when you, when you have a C-section. So for women who think, oh, y'all just go and have a C-section and you bought your three-level townhouse, well, you better pick a floor and you're going to stay there for a few weeks. Yeah, because that stuff was wow. The thing is, why didn't my mothers tell us this? Like, I know my mother had a C-section. Like, I was vaginal, but my brother was a C-section. It's like, why didn't we hear these stories? (laughs) And I think the big thing with that is that, you know, even according to the documentary I read, there was a time where C-section became a class thing. It was almost like relaxing your hair, you know? So if you you had a C-section, ooh, you, you got money. You know what I mean? So it became, that's why, you know, there was this atmosphere where women preferred C-sections over vaginal birth. Vaginal births were seen as like low class things. And it's just the same way with breastfeeding. You guys know like there's been this whole resurgence around breastfeeding and it's like the breastfeeding called breastfeed, breastfeed. Whereas before nobody wanted to do that. And I think that's kind of what's happening with the C-sections. People are aware, you know, but yeah, there's, you know, I think that that's what happened with our mothers where we'll seen as like, oh, you had a C-section, good for you. And, you know, we are still learning from that generation of women, but unfortunately, you know, some of the new practices that we, we want to take on, we learn from the women that didn't make it. You know, we learn, that's why we know if you have a C-section, you don't move for six weeks. Cause there was some, I have a line sister whose mom, you know, had a birthday party for her sister and everything ripped open at the party and they had to go to the emergency room. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that is so traumatic. <laughs> Of course, you know, people are telling me this as I'm, as I like have my C-section, I'm holding him in like, oh my God. he's still here holding my guts in. <laughs> Girl, so our last question, and this will kind yes. of like give the balance to traumatic stories. Um, <laughs> Anastasia's face is like, uh. <laughs> As a black woman, you know, who has given birth, um, how do you mentally and emotionally protect yourself now? Mm. What do you say now? What do you mean? Post, post baby. So during your post. Oh, post baby. Post baby. That is a real question. Um, I think what I had to learn to do, and it really started with Nyla, because I went into a deep depression with her. I don't know if it was postpartum or if it was just, because she was in the hospital for three months, if it was having a child in an incubator in the hospital for months. I was born at one pound, seven ounces, right? So I don't know if, you know, and then the isolation, you guys remember when we, when we went into quarantine, there was a depression that came, like we all experienced that. Yeah, and that's yeah. you have an, a NICU baby, you come home isolated, you can't go out, you can't go anywhere, and it's just you and the baby. And so, you know, it was just the stress of all that. I had to learn, um, and it was actually one of my coworkers, um, her name's Cecilia, who was like, you are going to experience the baby blues. You're going to be sad. And I'm going to let you know it's going to happen. So I'm going to check on you because I'm not going to hear from you when it happens. It was so important for me to have someone like that. Um, and I had to learn, once she taught me that, I had to apply that to the rest of my kids. Like, let people know, like, hey, y'all, if y'all don't hear from me, it's not because I'm fine. It's because I'm not fine. 
So that was my way of protecting myself because, you know, there are a lot of us that when we're hurting, we kind of like pull back and go into our corners. So being able to say, I'm at a place now, you know, I'm not doing well, I'm not gonna ask you, but I told you the warning signs. So I did have a lot of people who were just like, I haven't heard from you, what's going on, what's going on? And then I would call it, I'm not doing well. But that was my way. Right. And that was how I mentally protected myself. I don't know if I did that, if I didn't do that, how I would have, you know, made it through. Shout out to Cece. She is a real one. She has been on our show before. We absolutely love her. She is the best. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. That's such a great, that's a great tool that you just, that's a great tip that you just gave um, to tell people like, if you don't hear from me, check up on me. You know, that's, that's, I'm going to take that one and mentally compartmentalize that. Yes. And be, and be insistent with your checkup, right? Like that was one thing that, you know, someone was like, oh, and I, and I had to, in addition, I also had to correct other people. So after I had my second child, someone was like, oh, you know, oh, congratulations on your baby. Sorry. You know, I didn't really reach out to you because I knew you probably needed to be alone. And I said, that's the worst thing you could do to a new mother. And I had to tell them like, never leave a new mother alone. Like you hear about people literally mm. drowning their babies in the tub. Like don't like whatever you do because all those mm. hormones yeah. don't leave us alone. So I think that was part of my thing was now that I've protected myself, I got to educate other people because there's some people can't, who won't be able to verbalize it the same way. And so, yeah, so it was about protecting myself right. and like the community of new moms around me that I don't even know, but aren't other people's ecosystems. Well said. Well said. Yeah. Thank you so much, Taco, for sharing your birth and story with us. You are and you educated me. So I was like, oh. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I don't think there's, and I think like you guys said, you know, our mothers come from the generation where you don't talk about certain things, you know, you don't talk about your, your flow, you don't talk about your periods, you know, what happens in your, like, there, like, there was a, it was a lack of communication. And I think that that's why, you know, there's a huge move of black women and women of color who are sharing with each other their stories. So that way, like, it's just kind of like, you don't tell anybody your salary, you know, but now we're like, oh, what you making? Let me text you. So when you go to your interview, you know, we're just, I think our generation is a whole different generation that understands the power of information in a different way and I think that that's the beautiful thing about women who are especially women of color having children right now like I said Cece was the one who gave me that information my mother didn't you know Mm -hmm. you know there are and and I think maybe sometimes they didn't recognize what they were going through at the time because women's health was not a big thing their doctors were not telling them the things that we are learning now so I think it's just the power of talking to each other you know, and not having to worry, but and just having good people around you, I think that's really what it what it comes down to with the birthing experience. Thank you for sitting around with us and having this art of conversation because that is something that we are really passionate about is having these conversations to educate people and to educate and uplift our community, and we do that by sharing our experiences and our stories. So we are blessed and thankful that you are actually coming on our podcast to share your story with the world. Absolutely. Thank you, ladies. Thank you.